Hello and welcome to A Pivotal Moment, a podcast series about ordinary people who made extraordinary decisions, both in their business and personal lives. I'm Mark Cahalan, and in this episode, I'll be talking to Sarah Shannon, who after a successful career as a solicitor followed her north wind and is now happily living and working in Portugal as a yoga teacher. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. We're going to talk about your journey to where you are today. And maybe just as we start, you might tell us, where are you? Thanks, Mark. It's a pleasure to be on. And I am chatting to you from Portugal in the South Algarve. Very, very sunny and bright and blue skies today. It sounds very different to where we are today in Dublin, um, Sarah. Maybe starting off, you might tell us a little bit about your your background, your family, where you grew up. So I grew up in Dublin and I, I went to school locally. I was living in Goatstown near there and grew up the eldest of three girls, two sisters. And growing up, I never really knew what I wanted to do. You know, when you ask somebody like, what's their passion? And I used to hate that question because I had no idea. I was just kind of going along with with it all. And I went from school to go study business and legal in UCD. And still a little unsure of what to do. I, I, I went to all the accountancy interviews and was accepted into one of the accountancy firms. But I had this kind of inner sense that that wasn't really what I wanted to do, but I still didn't know. So I went and did journalism um, in Griffith College for a year. Still wasn't really feeling like this is really my, my, my calling. And it was during that time, actually, media law really interests me. I then decided to go and continue on the legal route and get my my qualification. And yeah, I qualified as a lawyer and was there for almost six years in a corporate law firm in Dublin. And Sarah, what attracted you? You, you said media law, but what attracted you to that profession in general? Yeah, like, and to be honest, Mark, that was probably the only thing when I think about it that just kind of interests me. <laughs> like, well, I, I, I often wonder what did bring me to law because it was never something that I really wanted to do. I think it was more of a case of I didn't know what I wanted to do. And maybe on a quite a subconscious level, being a lawyer represented success. It I was doing well in all of my school subjects. So I thought, okay, I, you know, I could, I could do this kind of test myself, but there was no real like, you know, love or passion or matching of my, my, my talents and my gifts. So yeah, I think I just unconsciously flowed into law and didn't really ask many questions. Were you a reluctant solicitor? Yes. When I think about it, but like, unaware solicitor, kind of, you know, just going along Monday to Friday, do the work. This is a job. That was it. I didn't know I could be passionate about something I did. I didn't know I could be incredibly confident in it and fulfilled by work. You mentioned, Sarah, that, you know, you were competent in the area. You looked at accountancy firms, etc. What was it about you that allowed you to be a good solicitor? I think diligence hard worker, you know, great at concentrating and attention to detail. These are all skills that I I have that that really helped. Enjoying problem solving, probably being just, you know, a good girl, like doing the work and used to very kind of hierarchical structures in school and didn't really question that, you, you know, if it all felt very normal. I suppose that kind of can work quite well in those settings. 
it sounds listening to you though, Sarah, there was clearly something else going on for you, even at an early stage. Did you find what you were doing initially satisfying? I think I found doing the exams, funnily enough, satisfying because to train, you know, to train, there's the FE1 exams and then into Black Hole to do further exams. And there's this, you know, process whereby you have to get over these hurdles. And I think, you know, as a woman in my 20s, out in the world, that was quite satisfying to me. And then, Sarah, you're looking at making a change. How early on in your career did that come? The desire, the awareness that you wanted to do something different? Yeah, quite late, actually, Mark. Like, I, I did, I trained, and then I... After the traineeship, I applied to, you have to re-interview, you know, for the law firm that I was in and I was accepted onto the corporate team. So that was like another hurdle and accepted. Okay, great. And it was really actually after all the hurdles had been finished, which would should be perhaps a time to just really enjoy the career. That's when I really started to ask questions and I had this urge and desire to go traveling. And I had was almost three years PQE, so post-qualification. And I thought, okay, tricked my mind a little bit. I said, I'd love to join a different law firm. You know, the market started to happen like that, that people were moving around a lot. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll move law firm. But in that meantime, I'll take a few months to myself. That was the best thing I ever did. And those few months actually ended up being a year. I stayed away, traveling around Southeast Asia, away from everything, you know, that I thought I was, away from, I, I was on my own, 30, 31, backpacking around Southeast Asia. And it was there I got to really begin to ask questions. Listening to you, when you talk about law, you talk about process, you talk about the progress you made, and then you're traveling around Southeast Asia. So there's clearly a, an inner dialogue going on for you. Were you afraid at this stage or, or what was the emotion you were experiencing? Because it seemed like you were moving away from something highly structured to something very free and spontaneous. Yeah, like such extremes. And that probably suits my inner rebel a little bit as well. I went from that structure of being a solicitor and suddenly I'm backpacking, staying in hostels, living on a shoestring budget and there I really found, I felt this is life. This is freedom. I couldn't believe I got to do this. You know, it was just the most freeing thing. But like everything, when there's no structure, and I remember actually really looking forward to coming home when I finally did. And funnily enough, I went back into a law firm, craving a bit of stability, structure, and also kind of bit like, okay, Sarah, you know, life can't be free all the time. You've got to get back. That was what I was saying to myself, but that didn't last long. I'm really curious, Sarah, when you went back into the law firm, I mean, what was the first day like? You've been away traveling. You've been getting to know a different part of you and a part of your, clearly your inner essence. And then suddenly you're back in a law firm. What, what was that first day like? It was, it was actually kind of exciting because just as you mentioned, Mark, my inner essence, I thought, okay, I can bring this into the workplace. And I was feeling excited about the structure of it. So I went in all guns blazing, kind of like, we can do this. You know, I'd found my interests and passions. I could do them on the weekend and I could work during the week. It seemed like a, a perfect combination. One maybe could support the other. 
And that that lasted, you know, I worked really hard I, and I got a promotion and um, promoted to associate in my first six months. And I decided to take that time after Christmas to go away on a holiday to reward myself. But a holiday for me then was going to an ashram in India where I had to dress in white every day and sit on the floor eating food with my hands and a very strict like meditation and yoga. But it was there again that I had to stop and listen. And it was actually this one moment, you know, these one moments in your life that just almost change everything. And they're just so simple. Um, I was, I'd rented loads of books from the ashram library on meditation, yoga, and they were all sprayed out in front, in front of me on the grass during our free time. And I was reading them all. I was taking down notes. And this girl sat down beside me and said, wow, you're, you're so interested. What do you do back home? And I looked at her and I just felt like it was this moment that I was looking down on myself and thought, this doesn't even make sense. I said, I'm a corporate lawyer. And I you know, felt like a clown in a costume because I really was like, this, you know, isn't, that's not what I'm interested in. So a pivotal moment, clearly, Sarah. You also write incredibly eloquently about the North Wind and the call of the North Wind and gently feeling that. So from that moment, how did you move on? What decisions did you make? What was going on to bring you to where you are now? Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I love writing to make sense of it all. Um, And the North Wind was something that I have noticed in my life shows up and it's actually from from this film Chocolat I'm not sure if you know it mm-hmm. but in the film the woman is very connected with nature and she listens to the wind to guide her she was a healer traveling around the world and the wind would signal to her it was time to move and what I realized was in my life there are these inner north wind moments or you know stirrings that are urging me to to take a look, to move, to change something up. And what I've learned is that if I can listen to them, the very gentle breeze, listen, get curious, it's much um, easier and nicer than waiting for the storm to literally bang down the house and say, listen, this needs to change. So I'm really always curious about you know, inner whispers, uh, following my curiosity, where is this leading me? And it was it was that north wind that, that brought me to Portugal. I just started to notice that, yes, I loved what I was doing, but there was something more that I was looking for, change in lifestyle. And these whispers now, you know, I use a journal, like we were talking about writing, journaling to, to write down about these whispers. And it's amazing where, where they where they've guided me. You had that pivotal moment in the ashram mm. and you felt like you were in a clown in a costume. So this is a fairly radical change. You're in a very structured life and you have made a decision. Were you afraid? Were you excited? Can you remember, Sarah, back to that time emotionally, where were you? Oh, I can remember that so well because it was January time. I came back into the office. I'd been two weeks in India feeling so good. I, I arrived at the office and everyone's like, wow, you look so, so rested, so clear, you know, my face, my eyes. And I thought, okay, you know, sit down at the desk, bring this piece to my work. And yeah, sure. That day I was in the, in the office till 11 o'clock that night, brought in on loads of deals that were happening. It was a busy time. And I remember looking in the mirror as I left the office 
My eyes were all bloodshot. My skin was all blotchy. I hadn't eaten. I didn't feel good. And I just thought, no, this, this is not the way I can live. But like change, I've learned that it, there's a big, long process in it. And it wasn't, you know, until six months later that I actually left law. And those few months that followed that time in the ashram were, were very difficult. And like what you speak about there, Mark, you're deep in the unknown, no clarity. It's a very uncomfortable space to be in. But I, I dug deep. I had tools like yoga and meditation. And I started to dream and vision my future. I had no idea what it was going to be. I was looking at everything, pure communications. I was kind of trying to think of something close to law, but not law. I had no idea where the road was taking me. But I, I used that time, yeah, to vision. I used vision boards. I was cutting out snippets of things. Just what, what would my dream life, dream work look and feel like? I didn't know what it was, but I knew and I had words like, you know, out in nature, helping people, project work, adventure. And I didn't know what it was going to be. But when I look back on those words, you know, that is what my work is now. Were you looking for advice from friends and family? Was that complicating things for you? Were your family and friends worried that this was going on? Yes, family and friends, I, I especially family, you know, I have a great support network with my mom and dad and my sisters. And I chat with, with my mom and dad a lot. And they were really helpful in encouraging my ideas, but also were quite concerned as well for me. You know, like, what are you going to do? How are you going to make a living? You know, adventure sounds great, but how will that, you know, that very practical stuff that I would find challenging sometimes because you have these big dreams, but then it's a very practical part. But it was actually, I was hemming and hawing and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was actually living at home at the time. I'd, I'd moved back home and after the end of a relationship. So I was back home. So I was actually very close to my support network and they could see my discomfort. And it was actually my dad who said to me, just, just hand it in, hand in your notice. Cause I'd, I'd literally had it in my back pocket for weeks. And it was that kind of little gentle encouragement of, okay, just do it. And I did it that day with no idea what I was going to do next. Was that exciting or how did that feel? Yeah. Yes. It was, it was thrilling actually, because yes, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I'd spent the time dreaming and visioning and just getting into that feeling of, of what a different life could look like. And I'd spent time with it as well. It wasn't a new dream, like I'd nurtured it. And I'd, you know, found other people on whether it was social media or websites that were doing similar, doing things that, that appealed to me. So that bolstered the, my sense of belief. And I also decided, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to mine the gap. I'm going to go off and do my yoga teacher training because I'm fascinated. I'm really interested in yoga and I'll do that for myself. And then I'm going to walk the Camino to Santiago and there will give me all the answers is what I believed. So I had two months planned. So the day I turned off my computer in the law firm for the last time, I thought, here we go. Life begins. And did the answer come to you on the Camino? No, it's a wonderful place to go for inspiration because every so many people there are at some juncture in their life. And I got lots of ideas, but I arrived in Santiago with the dream of moving out of Dublin, either to Galway or Cork, and I was going to become a writer. 
that was the plan. I didn't know what about. And I had that plan and I felt excited by it. I'd talked and walked with with writers and I loved the idea of moving somewhere on my own. And I got back to Dublin. And this is where sometimes these, you know, these chance meetings I was I was in a restaurant and I bumped into a friend, you know, I kind of knew from over the years and he owns a cafe in in Dublin and he said I've been following your story because I was blogging about it and that's what I feel also the wonderful thing about sometimes sharing our words. I was blogging about leaving law and my journey and he said you should come and do yoga in the cafe. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, well, I'll have to commute. I've got this plan of being in a cottage somewhere writing. And but I still knew it was a good opportunity. So I took it and I used to do a, a Sunday night and a Monday night class in Rathmines. And I started kind of feeling, oh, this isn't really what I want to do. A couple of classes in, I felt, wow, this I, I felt like myself for the first time. And then people really started coming back, showing up. And I could see I was I was helping people. And that's really, really where it began. So before that moment, I, I hadn't considered yoga as a career. And also it, it was a difficult one then and even for my family to even see it as a career as well, because it's relatively new. And I was also just doing the two classes a week in Rathmines. So it wasn't exactly hugely supportive career, but it's amazing what can grow from, from that seed that was planted then. And from that moment on, Sarah, was your mind made up that yoga was going to be the start of a new life, a new career for you? Yeah, Mark, that was that was it. I haven't I haven't stopped teaching since four years, over four years ago. And yes, I never looked back. Never. Yeah, I I felt wow. It was kind of that sense of adventure. I was thinking I'm on this path now. And yes, it was a yoga class. Then I started working with corporates you know, going back into places like law firms, accountancy firms, and I was teaching yoga there. And then I was doing meditation and then doing talks. And it was just beginning, the road was widening and widening. And I, yeah, I felt from the very first moment, just so excited to be finally on a path that excited me. But there was more change to come. Portugal, how did that all happen? More change to come. I remember when I said to, I was moving to Portugal, one of my friends said, Geez, you, you, never really, you don't sit still for long because that was another big, big change. I'd been teaching in Dublin for a number of years and pandemic came along and that really forced me to shake things up and become an online teacher. And it actually provided a massive opportunity unbeknownst to me at the time. But I, I moved my whole business online and continued teaching yoga classes, corporate classes. And once I got up and running, it was a very busy time. And I was living in an apartment across the road from my family. And yeah, I was extremely fulfilled by my work, but I felt there was more to my life. You know, I, I wanted to, to meet my partner. I wanted a lifestyle that I really felt matched my dream. You know, I, I was a yoga teacher, but I was also inside a lot and I was at the laptop. And I just felt by moving away just to create a life for myself, really. And I guess it was really as well moving away from where the family home was, starting that part of my life, family. And I, again, this is, you know, back to the drawing board, literally vision boards out, snippets, cutting out images of where I'd like to live and what it would look like, what it would feel like and gathering words 
and I was putting them all together on a vision board. And when I look back now, at the time, I thought it was Wicklow or somewhere not so far from Dublin. Yeah, Wicklow was really an area I was looking at, somewhere where I could be in nature and have a community of, of and do my retreats. The, the dream of wild and free was being born as well. So that was all over the board. And when I look at it now, it's actually like it's all blue skies, very sunny. So I don't know what part of Wicklow I was visioning. But I did not know it was Portugal. And I think I would have actually been a bit terrified to move so far away from my family and also move from my business and my clients. I think if someone had said that to me, I would have said no too too much. But bit by bit, the the inspiration just came. And that was like a something that was put in my mind. You know, I knew what I wanted. I knew all the things. And Portugal just was an idea just that just wouldn't go away. And I'd been coming here a lot as a child and all through my teenage years. So I knew it and I knew some people here and I thought I'd give it a try. And that was this time, actually, two years ago. So I moved, I packed my bags once again, rented out my apartment and moved to Portugal with this dream of wild and free and meeting the man of my dreams and both manifested in months after moving to Portugal. So once again, I was shown this, you know, the north wind, the whispers, the uncomfortable phase, dreaming, envisioning, letting go, you know, by by actually moving or changing and then blossoming, the blooming, you know, that's the cycle I keep seeing in my life. So you let go to get the things you wanted. Yeah. Exactly. It's a bit of a process because I was holding on to those things bit by bit, let them go. And again, the best move I made. You're getting married in June, Sarah, I know. So congratulations on on that. It's uh, lovely to see how you have manifested all the things that you, you wanted. You mentioned wild and free there. What is wild and free? Wild and free is a way of living. It's living our authentic self. And those words are words I've always carried with me. And I created this wild and free retreat. And the retreat is a, is a place to go to. And it's, yeah, discovering our authentic self, which sounds very easy. You know, I, I'll live my authentic life, but I've found it difficult and with many, many challenges. So the, the tools and practices I share on the retreat are all of the things that helped me move into more authentic living. Things like meditation, journaling, yoga, I also bring in sound healers. We do a sound bath, a cow ceremony, wild woman workshop and sea swimming and just being around other other women, you know, hearing stories, being supported. And it's been it's been an incredible journey. You know, women, it started with mainly Irish women flying over not so far, you know, Dublin to Faro or wherever in Ireland they're coming from. And now it's grown. You know, I had women from the States and Scotland, England, Germany, all coming in and amazing healing and deep work has done on the retreats. And I've, I've just completed my 10th one since moving here. I have to start my, my next one soon. And it's been a dream come true. It's such an honor to do this work. Sir, I'm sure there must be women you meet on Wild and Free who are very similar to you at three years ago, who are stressed, tired, wondering, is there something else they can do? What advice would you give to anyone who finds themselves in that situation? You call it your north wind. But as you look back now and the change you've gone through, what would you say to anyone who's hearing you now thinking, I'd like to do something else? I would say, yeah, like acknowledge that and know that perhaps it's the beginning of a 
very exciting journey, but it doesn't all have to be done, you know, straight away. So take time to make space for yourself so that you can listen using tools and practices, meditation, journaling, gather with other other women that you find inspiring, listen to podcasts. I always ask the women, like, what are you curious about? Or we have this beautiful practice at the back of the journal, things that I love, we write at the top. And then we start to fill that. It doesn't even have to be associated with work. Things that I love, and I believe they are our breadcrumbs to bring us to our, our passions. And just, yeah, get curious. Get, get very, very curious about your, your interests and, and see where they lead. I get many women looking for something more. And whether it's more self-love or more from their work or their relationships, yeah, and lots of lots of lawyers come. <laughs> I can well imagine. Sarah, just as we're coming to the end, two last questions, if that's okay. Do you miss anything about law? No, no, I don't miss anything. The only thing that would be perhaps nice as I'm a solo business owner, things like annual leave and having a steady salary. But other than that, nothing. And finally, Sarah, how is Sarah the yoga teacher different to Sarah the solicitor? Have you changed? Yes, a very different. Now I'm still I'm still the old me. I have changed because I have much bigger lust for life. And you know, when I look back on that woman in her twenties and early thirties working as a lawyer, she was so lost and unfulfilled. And when I look at Sarah, the yoga teacher, she's on a path that I truly believe is my soul's path. And that, that's a very exciting place to be because you kind of feel you can't go wrong. You just keep walking this path. And that is incredibly liberating and free. So I suppose when I think of the comparison, yeah, one woman is free and the other is, is trapped. Sarah Shannon, it has been a pleasure listening to the free version of you. Thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've been listening to A Pivotal Moment. My name is Mark Cahalan. I help businesses tell compelling stories to engage their stakeholders. I coach senior business leaders on systemic change and leadership. I partner business teams to help them drive high performance. And when business relationships go wrong, I help them all negotiate better ways of working together. You can find out more on my take on these topics at martelloleadership.com. Mm-hmm.